The new year is here, which means it's time to start new habits and make those yearly resolutions. Mine this year was to get healthier and improve my quality of life, which is why I want to talk to you guys about Noom. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all and don't take into account each person's individual needs which in turn doesn't really set you up for success. Those workout plans you pull from the internet don't think about your individual dietary restrictions, medical issues, or other personal needs. Noom does all of that before building a tailor-made plan that works for you and your lifestyle. It doesn't try to restrict what you eat and never shames you for wanting to treat yourself. And unlike before, I feel the motivation I need to succeed and none of the frustration that came with other plans. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy wherever books are sold. If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kid subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. Cup of murder. There are those cases that just hearing the name makes your blood boil. Everyone has their case. Some are different, but I think many of us can agree on this one. On August 9th, 2005, a precious little girl named Kaylee Anthony was born. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Kaylee Marie Anthony, born August 9, 2005, was living with her mother, Casey, and maternal grandparents, George and Cindy, in Orlando, Florida, when Casey decided to move them out on June 9, 2008. On June 15, Kaylee spent the day with her grandparents, having fun and swimming in their pool, after which she went back home with Casey, who, on the following day, was supposed to be in Tampa on a work assignment. For 31 days, Casey dodged her mother's attempts to visit with her granddaughter, stating she was either too busy, either too busy with work, or that Kaylee was with her nanny, Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez, either at the theme park or at the beach. Finally, on June 13, 2008, Cindy and George Anthony found a notice from the post office about a certified letter attached to their front door. When George went to pick it up on the 15th, he discovered that it was about his daughter's car. It was in a tow yard and needed to be picked up. When he picked it up, both he and the tow yard attendant noted a strong smell coming from the trunk. A smell that, to their horror, smelled like a decomposing body. But when they opened it, they found only a trash bag. 
However, Casey's towed car was enough for George and Cindy to worry. And that same day, they called 911 claiming Kaylee was missing for 31 days. On the call, Cindy said, There's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. She would later claim that this statement was simply a panicked expression. But police wasted no time, and on July 16th, they had Casey arrested and in their interrogation room. When detectives asked where Kaylee was, Casey claimed that the nanny, who she said was caring for Kaylee, actually kidnapped her on June 9th, and that Casey had been trying to find her but was too scared to call authorities. But the problem was, no one in Casey's inner circle had ever seen this woman, nor had they ever seen Kaylee in the care of any babysitter or nanny. In fact, when investigators were finally able to track down Zenaida, she stated that she had never seen Casey or Kaylee Anthony and had no idea who they were. Casey also told police that she was working at Universal Studio, but when they brought her to the park on the day of her arrest, she wandered around before admitting that she had been fired years ago. Having very little to go on and few leads to look into, Casey was charged on the 17th with giving a false statement to law enforcement, child neglect, and obstruction of a criminal investigation. Bail was set at $500,000, which was paid a month later by the nephew of a California bail bondsman in hopes that she would cooperate and Kaylee would be found. On August 11th, 12th, and 13th, a meter reader named Roy Cronk called police about a suspicious object found in the woods near the Anthony residence. The first call went unreturned, the second brought two officers who reportedly found nothing. Casey was rearrested on August 29, 2008, after writing forged checks, and was offered a limited immunity deal in the hopes that she would reveal the location of her daughter. She did not take the deal, and she was released yet again after her parents paid her new bail. Strangely, the family didn't seem as keen to find Kaylee as everyone else did. They refused to cooperate with police and even refused lie detector tests. Finally, tired of her antics, Casey Anthony was indicted by a grand jury on the charges of first-degree murder, aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter of a child, and four counts of providing false information to the police on October 14, 2008. This time, she was held without bond. A few days later, the child neglect charges were dropped as the court began working under the assumption that Kaylee was already dead. On October 28th, she was arraigned and pleaded not guilty. From November 8th through the 9th, a company called Texas AccuSearch leads hundreds of volunteers to search for Kaylee, but come up empty. On November 15th, the Anthony family investigator searches a familiar area and videotapes himself looking for the remains. When asked how he knew the location, he claimed that a psychic told him. It wasn't until December 11, 2008, when Roy Cronk called yet again, that police found the remains of a young child in a trash bag, duct tape still attached to the hair on the skull. More bones were found, and on December 19th, the medical examiner confirmed that the remains were that of two-year-old Kaylee Anthony. The location was exactly where the private investigator had been looking just a month before. Now, here's the thing. There are some trials so sensational, they supersede the murder itself. This is one of those trials. And while it would be impossible to explain all of the insanity that happened during this trial within the confines of our short episodes, I am here to give you the gist. 
The trial, which had to be moved due to the media, started on May 24, 2011. The prosecution argued that Casey was a party girl forced to be mommy who wanted her freedom more than she wanted her daughter, while the defense painted a story of George Anthony forcing the women to cover up Kaylee's accidental drowning in the family pool. That the reason Casey was able to move on with her life so quickly was the product of a lifetime of hiding her pain and sexual abuse she suffered from the hands of her own father. Just before Kaylee's body was found, a forensic report judged via air sampling that there were signs that the chemicals in Casey's trunk were consistent with a decompositional event, as well as traces of chloroform. These results were later brought under scrutiny. There were also records of suspicious Googling on Casey's computer, such as neck breaking and how to make chloroform, but these results were also brought under mass scrutiny. Roy Cronk was also looked into, and some suggested he moved the bones, while police were accused of putting media attention over the investigation. Honestly, the six-week trial alone, with his bold claims, strange inconsistencies, shocking witnesses, and bizarre explanations, deserves its own podcast. On July 5, 2011, the jury returned after finding Casey Anthony not guilty of the murder, abuse, or manslaughter charges. She was, however, found guilty of four misdemeanor counts of false information and, with credit for time served, was released on July 17, 2011 to public outrage and angry protests. The Anthony family was ostracized, and on one occasion, George was physically attacked. Casey was sued by both Zenaida and Texas EcuSearch and eventually had to file for bankruptcy. But for the most part, she was able to go on and live a normal life. She is now in her early 30s, dating, having fun, and even considering having more children. In the aftermath of Kaylee's death, a new law called Kaylee's Law was created that would impose stricter requirements on parents to notify law enforcement of the death or disappearance of a child. To this day, no one truly knows what happened to Kaylee Anthony. Was she murdered by her party girl mother who wanted a life outside of a family? Or did her grandfather force a family to keep a secret after she accidentally drowned in the family pool? Or maybe it's something even worse. Honestly, I don't think we'll ever find out. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on August 10th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.